0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk about the Timberwolves need to shoot more three pointers and especially from the corners. I'll explain why it's so, uh, such a I don't know, prevalent issue right now. A, a really obvious problem with the Wolves offense. Problem's a little strong. The Wolves are pretty good this year, right? But there's a lot of room for improvement still offensively with the amount of talent on this team. We'll also talk about uh, some of the transition improvement on both sides of the ball, plus NBA.com's Power Rankings is Come and welcome in. You are Locked On, Wolves. You are Locked On, Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockdownNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, This was hopefully enjoyed NBA in-season tournament games Monday night. A couple more tonight. Wolves don't play again until Wednesday night. Um, So plenty to get to here today, though. I want to unpack a little bit some items related to the Wolves offense today. I want to talk about how they've improved on both sides of the ball in transition this season and also take a peek at the uh, still favorable NBA.com power ranking. So loaded show some pretty interesting offensive stuff here off the top. Um, So excited to get into that. First, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. You can download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can also follow the show on X. At Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. So the T-Wolves this season. Um, this is coming into play Monday night. Of course, just a couple of games in the league Monday night. So I don't think a whole lot changed here on Monday related to where the Wolves stand in offensive, in terms of offensive and defensive efficiency. The Wolves, of course, are number one in defensive efficiency. They've been one or two now, basically the entire season, pretty much going back to like the first week of November, right? Uh, the offense was kind of languishing in the in the low 20s for a, quite a while, and and more recently it's been hovering in the 16 to 19 range, um, so a little worse than league average in terms of offensive rating. Now, depending on where you look, like uh, Basketball Reference has them 17th in offensive rating. I think NBA.com has them 18th in offensive rating. Cleaning the glass actually has the wolves 12th in terms of points per possession offensively, which is um, a little bit different, but basically they've been hovering around and maybe just below average in terms of overall offense this season, although it has been improving a little bit. Um, Now they played Charlotte on Saturday and that certainly helped their, um, you know, their offensive statistics in general, the league's worst defense, the Hornets have. So, um, I said that weird. The Hornets have the, the league's worst defense, so that certainly helped, kind of you know, buoy those numbers a bit for Minnesota. In general, though, um, the offense has a lot of room for growth, and we said this all last season. They finished last season twenty third in offensive efficiency, at, at least the offensive rating stat over at Basketball Reference, um, and and we knew that there was more to unlock in terms of the Wolves' offense, and. Now, Carlton Towns missed 53 regular season games last year, so that was the most obvious reason. But now this year, you know, we've seen um, a full season of Mike Conley with Rudy Gobert. Well, it's been a quarter of a season, but you know, so far this season, from since day one, we've seen those two together. We've seen Kat and Rudy continue to expand upon the chemistry that they kind of teased last year. Um, so there's a lot to like about the Wolves offense. Ant in general has been more efficient, even if he's prone to inefficient, inefficient stretches and. Uh, you know, there's been turnover issues for the Wolves. But there's one thing that I point to, and one thing I point to that the Wolves should be relatively easy for them to change, they or at least improve, they just need to make a conscious effort, and that is attempting more three-point attempts in general. I want to talk about corner threes specifically. But first, just simply attempting more threes would be a massive step in the right direction. As of right now, the Timberwolves are 21st in three point attempt rate in the league, which of course factors in uh, number of possessions. So, you know, the rate based stat is going to be a better mark. If you look at attempts per game, they're only 25th, but they're 21st in attempts per game uh, because uh, three point attempt, sorry, three point attempt rate because the Wolves aren't actually playing at a very high pace this year. So, because they're playing at a slower pace, less possessions, attempts per game goes down but in terms of three-point attempt rate, they're 21st, which still is too low, right? I mean, look at last year's team. Last year's team ranked, and by the way, last year's team started the year really poorly in terms of three-point attempt rate. They actually finished 14th in the league, uh, 15th in attempts per game, 14th in rate, but it was hovering around 20th for a good chunk of the season, and it improved as the year went on. So, uh, you know, the offense looks a little different than it did last year, but it's the same general concept, albeit so far, knock on wood, with Carl 30 Towns, and and other than the last couple of games missed by Ant, a, a you know a pretty much a full complement of offensive weapons for Chris Finch. So there is precedent for Chris Finch's Wolves team as recently as last year to start the year poorly in terms of three point attempt rate and increase that number as the year goes on. I'd like to see that happen with this year's team. Um, in general, the more three point attempts you shoot. The better your offense is going to be. It's not quite that simple, but that's the the first thing is you got to take more threes, right? Well, the Wolves are also eleventh in three point percentage, which is a pretty good place to be. Cat is is finally back up above forty percent. Conley's shooting forty one percent, although he's been cold from outside the arc lately. Um, you know, Ant is right a little above league average. McDaniel's a little above league average. Really, the only guy in the rotation that hasn't shot the three ball as well in terms of somebody who actually shoots volume. Well, there is two of them: Nick Alexander Walker, who. For his career hadn't been a great three-point shooter but improved a little last year showed a lot in both international play this summer and then also in preseason to to at least allow us to think perhaps he could be a slightly above average three-point shooter he's around 35 percent right now shake Milton's the big one shooting 21 percent on a couple of attempts per game Kyle Anderson of course a massive dip but the attempts just you know the 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 volume of attempts just isn't there for that to make a, a huge difference. He's not shooting them, you know, above the break anyway. It's just when he's wide open in the corners, he's shooting them, and eventually, I think that number will come up a little. But it's really Alexander Walker and Shake Milton. So there's no massive outliers here. I think this team will probably, you know, should be in that eight to twelfth range in terms of percentage league wide uh, three three point percentage for the season. They just need to shoot more threes. Um, and I. Like, it really is that simple. Now, earlier in the season, I was blaming this on a lack of opportunities in transition. The Wolves weren't running enough. We'll talk about that next segment. That's improved, especially off of of turnovers that they generate defensively on the defensive end of the floor, generating open threes in transition. But corner threes are the biggest opportunity here. The Wolves actually are doing an okay job shooting corner threes. They're 11th in the league right now in terms of corner three point percentage. Um, last year they were only 17th. So that number is improving and they're shooting not all that many non-corner threes. They're actually 25th in the league according to Cleaning the Glass and non-corner threes. 24% of their three-point attempts are non-corners. Or actually, yeah, that's right. Um, Just a shade under, or actually that's 24% of their overall shots, sorry. 24% of their overall shot attempts are non-corner threes. 9.5%, so nearly one in 10 of their shot attempts are are coming from the corners in our corner three-point attempts, which is 11th in the league. That's a good mark, right? Um, but it could be that much better. And you also look at who's shooting those threes. So Jaden McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Troy Brown Jr., Shake Milton, Josh Mine. Well, okay. We won't talk about Josh Minett since he's not regularly been in the rotation. So McDaniels, Alexander-Walker, Brown, and Milton are the four guys who are shooting more than 40% of their three-point attempts from the corners. Um, Naturally, you're going to get less corner attempts for Mike Conley, but he's shooting 55% on his corner attempts. Nas is shooting 45.5% on his corner attempts. Kyle Anderson, we know, is not uh, shooting the ball very well from deep and actually just doesn't have that many attempts either. And, makes sense, less than 10% of his three-point attempts are coming from the corners. Carl Towns right now, only 5% of his three-point attempts are coming from the corners. Since we're still only a quarter of the way through the season, I'll give this to you in just like raw numbers. Cat is uh, 41 of 98 from three-point range this season, so he's attempted 98 threes. 5% of them are coming from the corners. So um, what is that? That's five, right? He's shot five corner threes this season, and he's made two of them. He's two of five from the corners. For his career, this, this would be by far his lowest, um, per, the, the lowest percentage of his three-point attempts coming from the corners in his entire career. He's only been below ten percent two other times for his career. So his three point, his corner three point attempt rate is down overall. And I've made this comparison before, um, and 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 I don't know that it's like I don't. I'm not saying Towns is unwilling to shoot from the corners, but you know, Rudy talked about this after the game. I think it was maybe the Thunder game on Tuesday last week when Rudy talked about, hey, I've been telling Cat he's got to get in the corners more. Um, and I you know, I don't know if this is truly a friction point or not or if Cat's actually reluctant. He doesn't want to turn into Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, north, if you will, or excuse me, Boyan Bogdanovich north, um, wrong Bogdanovich. But I, I've talked about this before when I was imploring the Timberwolves last year to figure out their offense, even before the Conley trade. Um, and I don't want to turn this into a full Jazz Timberwolves, you know, comparison, but I'm going to a little because this, this Wolves team is so much more dynamic than those Jazz teams, but the Jazz were number one in offensive rating, just two years ago, that was the twenty-one, twenty-two season that Utah finished the regular season number one in offensive rating, and obviously they got kicked out of the playoffs in the first round by Dallas. Uh, they were not as good defensively as they typically had been, but that's another conversation which at some point we'll talk more about, which is really more to do with how terrible their perimeter defenders were. But Boyan Bogdanovich was a phenomenal, still is a phenomenal three-point shooter, and especially from the corners. Bogdanovich was shooting almost 40% of his three-point attempts from the corners. He was 42% shooting from the corners on threes. This is just two seasons ago. Overall, for the season, was a shade under 39%. So he was shooting, um, what, two and a half, almost three corner three-point attempts per game and making them at a 42% clip. Carlton e. Towns is far more dynamic than Boyan Bogdanovich, right? So obviously, you don't want to just stick him in the corner, But is it too much to ask for Carlton Towns to attempt two or three corner threes per game? And I know the Wolves love running the empty corner side pick and roll between Rudy and Mike Conley, and maybe it's sticking Cat in the opposite corner and Gobert on a short roll. You know, that's maybe a difficult pass for that place on the floor. But like, you know, make a couple of these tweaks, and Cat just needs to space all the way to the corner instead of hanging out too close to the dunker spot or in that mid-range, you know, 20-foot spot or so. Space all the way out to the corner, shoot two, maybe three of these a game, And you're going to see Kat's going to see his three point percentage go up. He's going to see his, his um, points per game go up. The wolves are going to see their offense be more efficient. That's a quick way to go from 11th in corner three point attempts per game or or quarter three point frequency for the wolves to top five, uh, top five or six, like fairly quickly. And Kat's not the only one, but he should be their best quarter three point shooter. And it's another opportunity for him to pick up, frankly, another three to six cheap points per game because he's that good of a shooter. And, 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 of course, the other intended benefit here is once he does it, once, he's going to pull the defense out. He has so much gravity, right? Chris Finch talks about this all the time, but Cat has so much gravity in the corners or, or wherever he is that in the if he is in the corners, he's going to pull another defender away from the paint, create that, you know, another driving lane or more driving space for Anthony Edwards or Mike Conley, um, you know, more space for Rudy to operate. It, it's just, it makes so much sense and it's going to raise the overall level of the Timberwolves' offense, the overall efficiency of the offense. One of the ways they can get more corner threes in general, again, it's in an okay spot, but it could be better, is through transition. I want to talk about transition offense and transition defense. We'll do that here next. Today's episode of Locked Out Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers Stay Hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 140 $150 $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Of course, tons of NFL this week. You've got a little break in college football before bowl games start, but you got NFL Thursday night. You've, of course, got in-season tournament action tonight in the association, and you've got uh, almost a full slate of games. Everyone except the in-season tournament teams is playing on wednesday you get back to in-season tournament semis on thursday it's just a fun week to be over at fanduel the app is extremely easy to use there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads player props over unders and more visit fanduel.com locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel official partner of the nfl Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. All right, um, talking Wolves transition offense and defense. Timberwolves, of course, are number one. Let's start with the defense. Number one in overall defensive rating this season. No matter how you slice it, they've maintained their number one spot in terms of opponent effective field goal percentage, even though the last couple of outings, uh, the Utah one was okay. Um, the uh, it, it was okay. It could have been better. The th- same thing with the Thunder one. The um, uh, Thunder one was pretty good. The, uh, the Charlotte game on Saturday, the Wolves were not great defensively, but they were good enough. They overall for this season have allowed an effective field goal percentage of just 49.4%, which is still by far tops in the league or easily tops in the league. We broke this down a little bit the other day, um, but comparing it to past seasons, you know nobody's holding teams below 50% effective field goal percentage for the season. So a quarter of the way through for them to be at 49.4%, it's not too shabby. It's a really nice spot to be. Um, And Digging into that a bit further, the Wolves transition defense last year was famously bad. Um, it was just, just not, um, their, their transition defense last season was, was, was just abysmal for, for stretches. Now, if you look at the numbers over at, at Cleaning the Glass, it wasn't as bad as certainly I remember it being last season. Last season, the Timberwolves transition defense was 18th in the league in terms of points per 100 possessions. Um, or sorry points added per 100 possessions defensively they were 14th in points per 100 transition plays points allowed per 100 transition plays uh this season those numbers have improved they're 13th in points plus per possession and uh actually the points per 100 transition possessions is actually down a little bit but the frequency is down because the defense has been better um, and they've just done a better job in general at getting back this year. And we've seen a lot of that lately, right? Like there were stretches of the Charlotte game that were miserable. That's as bad as it's been in a while. It, it, overall, generally speaking, the frequency of opponent transition opportunities is way down. And and what was it? Like they were, I think they lost fast break points, 20, 20, nothing or 22, nothing against Charlotte. So I realized that that was, um, I would say that's the outlier to this point or to this point in the season. But, um, they're number one in half-court defense, and it's not particularly close. Uh, I have that number here from Cleaning the Glass if I can flip over to it really quick. But they're number one in half-court defense. Uh, yeah, here we go. They're they're allowing just 87.9 points per 100 plays in the half-court, which is just absurd when you really think about it. Um, overall context of the league, because I think this is just fascinating, the Timberwolves are... Number one, obviously, 87.9 points per 100 possessions in the half court. The next best team is Oklahoma City at 92. That's a full 4.1 points better. And there's like five teams that are sandwiched in the 92 to 93 range. So it's the Wolves, a big gap, and then everybody else in terms of half court defense points per 100 plays, which is crazy. They're number 13 in transition defense points added per possession, as I mentioned a little bit ago. And that number is improving off of last year. And they continue to just so much of it is effort level. And I've talked about this before. It's like high school level basketball or even younger than that. of just communicating, right? Like who's got the ball. Who's, who's, you know, just getting back and not trying to find your man in transition. Um, that's something this team used to be really, actually, I think Jim Peterson talked about this on the Ballet sports North broadcast recently about how Jared Vanderbilt, like as good as he was and as hard as he hustled, he like, couldn't get it through his head that he just needed to get back and guard somebody. And he was so worried about guarding his own guy in transition. That's, like a very specific example of exactly what I've been saying to this show now for the last two seasons is this team would just have these simple lapses of like, just get back and guard someone, right? Like that's 90% of the battle here is just the effort level and the, um, the, the desire to get back and guard somebody and not get caught up in who you're guarding, not get caught up in offensive rebounding, not get caught up in watching your shot, not get, you know, like just get back. And there were lapses in the Charlotte game, as I mentioned, but overall it's improved a lot. And getting back in, in transition has really helped the overall defense kind of maintain the level that it's been at, save for the Charlotte game. Like the Charlotte and Charlotte's actually a really good example of of the good and the bad of this team defensively. Because the half court defense was really good. Even without Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, the transition defense was miserable. And 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 transition defense has been much better for a big chunk of the season, but that would be the only thing that holds this team back, in my opinion. I think the half-court defense will be impeccable all year long. It's the transition defense, if they're having an off night, if the effort level isn't quite what it needs to be, if they're tired, whatever. That needs to be a little bit better um, or improved or maintain a certain level if this team's going to maintain the level of a top defense throughout the year. In terms of transition offense, that's another area that this team continues to improve as well. Um, The frequency of their of um of them running in transition has improved too. uh They're still only 17th in terms of overall transition opportunities. They're doing a better job of running after steals, which has gotten better over the last couple of weeks. They're sixth in the league in terms of running off of steals, transition opportunities off of steals a little over 70% of the time. Off of live rebounds though, they're only 27th in frequency. But they're 11th in points plus per 100 possessions or points added per 100 possessions, and they're 10th in points per play when they get out and transition off of rebounds. They're just not doing it enough. So I'm nitpicking, right? Because we're talking about an improving offense, a team that has is tied for the best record in the entire league. I get it. They're the number one seed in the West. They have been for a couple of weeks. Yes, I'm nitpicking. But. This is an area that they need to continue to improve in. Like, you look at the Sacramento game they lost uh, a couple of weeks ago that wasn't particularly close. That's an example of a team that plays fast, shoots threes, also knocks down mid range jumpers, you know, especially like De'Aaron Fox. Those are teams the Wolves may struggle to keep pace with if they aren't comfortable playing fast and they aren't shooting enough threes. When it gets down to it, you know, later in the season and come playoff time, the Wolves have to be able to. Um, essentially hold serve. Like it, it's like it's like in the NFL, if you have a high-scoring offense, you're going up against a team with a high-scoring offense, there's pressure on you to hold serve. The Wolves are going to have to do that against some of these teams that are just really, really good from outside the arc and play really fast. And the Wolves just need to take some of that low-hanging fruit in transition because uh, the half-court offense just hasn't been, uh, even though it's improving, it hasn't quite been to the level of, of, of what I think it can be. And I think we all think it can be at some point this year. So, Moral of the story here, if I'm summarizing the first couple segments here today, more threes, especially corner threes. Yes, they're 11th in the in the league in terms of percentage of their three point attempts coming from the corners. But like, add a little bit of oh, by the way, Utah. Like again, I don't want to spend, I don't want to harp on this too much. But a couple of years ago, Utah, or or not even going back a couple of years, just just in general, um, the Utah Jazz attempt a ton of corner threes. Right, um, that's just kind of just kind of been their thing. Um, And and a lot of that was, you know, Quinn Snyder's offense, of course, um, you know, uh, is conducive to a lot of that. Of course, he's in Atlanta now. But if you go back, uh, I've got it right here. Utah, again, this season is shooting a ton of corner threes. But two seasons ago, when they had the best offense in the league, they were third in off in corner three-point percentage. The year before that, first. The year before that, second, second, second. In fact, from 2015 to 2022, the Utah Jazz were fourth or better. And actually, fourth or better every single year. That's seven straight years. And second first or second in four consecutive years in terms of corner three point percentage. And that was an offense that was predicated on a lot of pick and rolls with um at you know Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, um, Mike Conley involved in that offense. A lot of corner threes de- generated for the likes of Conley and you know, Royce O'Neill and Bogdanovich. This Wolves offense, it's it's better and far more dynamic than those Utah offenses, or it should be, I should say. I mean, obviously, they were the number one offense in the league a couple years ago. But there's, I think, a, even a greater ceiling to this Wolves offense because of, like Carlton Towns is one of the big reasons. But it it naturally generates more corner three-point attempts. And the Wolves just aren't quite taking advantage of that yet. It has to do with cat spacing. It has to do with transition offense. All those things need to improve to continue to improve this offense. And then again, generating more transition opportunities, turning defense into offense, low hanging fruit. This offense could continue to improve if they do that. And just good news in terms of transition defense, it's certainly gotten better for the Wolves. All right, let's close the show today by talking power rankings. We'll take a peek at the schedule up ahead. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors at GameTime you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. We're headed into the holidays. Maybe you're going to buy some tickets for a loved one, uh, and you're, you know maybe you're visiting someone around the holidays, and you want to you want to give them a gift. Go to an event. Go to a concert. Go to an NBA game, perhaps. Game time is the fast and easy way that you can buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. It's not only sports; it's also. All of the above, right? Any sort of live event you want to go to, you can get your tickets at game time. They're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees. You could buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. With zone deals, you can pick the section and game time will pick the seats for an average of 18% Savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockedOnNBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LockedOnNBA. L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's close the show today by talking power rankings, and no surprise here, really, but. Again, I say this at this point weekly because it's it's fun to check out the power rankings. But a reminder that the NBA.com power rankings are the only ones that are really worth anybody's time because I think John Schumann does a great job. They're well thought out. There's a lot of additional context in here, um, a lot of words written about every single team in the association, which is uh, uh, just the right way to go about it. In fact, I don't think ESPN's updated this in like almost a month. So I think they've kind of, they understand that their power rankings are not. Uh, not in the same neighborhood as as some of these other ones. They're just not, not well done. Anyway, uh, NBA.com still has Boston. Number one, that's defensible. Certainly, Um, you know, you look at point differential and the thunder and Boston, both have better point differentials than the wolves. Of course the wolves did beat both Boston and OKC head to head as well, but uh, Boston's number one, the Timberwolves have held steady at the number two spot. They went three and oh last week, including the win over the thunder during which Anthony Edwards got injured and then two antless wins for the wolves. Um, So Schumann over at NBA.com uh gives the Wolves some flowers for that. He also talks about Troy Brown Jr. going 10 of 18 from outside the arc over the team's four game winning streak. It says the Wolves trail by 12 against Oklahoma City and again against Utah on Thursday. They're the only team with a winning record in games they trailed by double digits. That's interesting, by the way. I did not I would could not have told you that. The Utah win also gave them as many games where they held their opponent under a point per possession as they had all of last season. They've already held seven teams under one point per possession. That's crazy. That's a really, really crazy statistic. Like we could talk about less than ninety points per one hundred half court possessions. We could talk about an, uh, a, a opponent effective field goal percentage of under fifty percent. That's all crazy. But to hold seven opponents in the first twenty 19 games of the season under a point per possession is pretty astounding. Um, he goes on to say the offense remains a worse than average unit, but their win in Charlotte on Saturday was the Wolves' most efficient performance of the season with their three centers combined for seventy seven of their 123 points. The Nas read minutes haven't been good of late. That's a topic for another day. Side note for me, uh that's true. If you look at the Nas on off, they're actually not all that they're not good. They're they're negative for the season. We'll talk about that later in the week. But the Wolves continue to be strong with Carlton Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. Uh, He says the Celtics are the favorite to win the in-season tournament. The Wolves are the favorite to come out of the coming week with the league's best record. They were given the easiest week seven schedule, games against the Spurs and Grizzlies, two teams they were previously scheduled to play only three times. So, of course, that's the way that this all went down is um, teams in your conference, you were scheduled to play only three times if you weren't in the tournament that's who you'd play, and I think they factored in the better you played in the in-season tournament, the more favorable those matchups would be, and so that's why the Wolves get the Spurs for the second time this season and Memphis for the second time this year, uh, both of those games this week. So, great to see the Wolves at two. By the way, Denver's at three up from four, Oklahoma City's at four up from five, and Philly dropped from five to three. Uh, of course, Embiid missed a couple of games, including the loss to the Wolves. Um, but anyway, Bucks at six, Magic at 7, they've been a great story. We haven't talked about them at all on the show. And the Kings at 8, Knicks at 9, and Suns at 10. So, I mean, obviously a couple teams out there that we'll struggle with, the Kings and the Suns especially, but uh, also some teams the Wolves beat in Boston and and OKC and um, uh, New York and Philly. Um, Obviously shorthanded, but still. All right, let's look at the schedule here for the upcoming week. I'm going to throw it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And this goes actually almost two weeks into the future. Is that right, yeah, like 12 days in the future. The Wolves have Wemby and, and the Spurs on Wednesday. We'll preview that matchup on Wednesday's show, the second time we'll have seen Wemby and the Spurs, and the first time here in nearly a month. Um, they of course are on a massive losing streak, so we'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. That's at Target Center, it's a 6 30 tip because it is an ESPN game. ESPN realizing, hey, um, Wolves are one of the best, uh, handful of teams in the league, certainly, best three or four teams in the entire NBA right now. Uh, or maybe not right now, probably for the season, we should probably give them a national game. Uh, They only have, what, three on the schedule and none until like mid-January. So they get their added game on ESPN Wednesday. Then the Wolves go to Memphis for the second time in a couple of weeks on Friday. And then Minnesota's off until Monday. They get Saturday and Sunday, the full weekend off. Wolves are back in New Orleans again on Monday night, the third game against the Pels and the second and final game in New Orleans then at Dallas next Thursday and at home for the Pacers a week from Saturday night on the 16th. Um, so a, um, you know, schedule gets really tough after the Grizzlies. I mean, at, at the Pels, at the Mavs, and then home for the Pacers who are like pacing to be the league's or the NBA's best ever offensive team as of right now through the first quarter of the season. Um, it gets a bit trickier, right? The schedule gets tougher and it'll be good to see this team play they you know, certainly have had some tough games, but a stretch of really tough games consecutively. Um, the latest reports out of Wolves' practice, it looks like Ant is day-to-day. Seems as though, I would guess, he'd be questionable for the game Wednesday. Jaden McDaniels won't be reevaluated again, really, until the weekend. Also, Jordan McLaughlin started to do some light practicing. I didn't even mention this. I should have off the top of the show. Chris Finch won Coach of the Month for the Western Conference. Um, the first Timberwolves coach to win Coach of the Month since Kevin McHale did it in 2009. 2009, that was 14 years ago. Like, how crazy is that? The Wolves haven't had a coach of the month winner. Um, You know, those Tibbs teams were never that much greater than 500, and, you know, same with the last couple of years for Finch. So um, crazy stuff. Really, really crazy. Anyway, uh, congrats to to, to Chris Finch, obviously. Um, Wednesday, we'll preview the Spurs matchup. We'll get into a few other lineup notes on Wednesday's show. And then Wednesday night, there'll be the live postcast. On Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube, and then Thursday we will uh, do the post game pod here after Wolf Spurs on Wednesday night. That's all we have for you today. A big thank you to those that do make Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. It is greatly appreciated. This show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. If you listen, especially on Apple, um, please help out with a with a review. Hopefully, it's a five star review. It definitely helps um, you know to to kind of tick that number upwards. So, if you are a loyal listener, please help us out there. Um, You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel over on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I've been Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.